Good to have you here on Dope Nostalgia. This week, I got to chat with two stars from the band Honeymoon Suite, Johnny and Derry. And the cool thing about this interview is that at first I was like, well, Honeymoon Suite were really big in the 80s. So I bet they don't really talk that much about the music that came out in the 90s. Now, I know for a lot of rock bands and hard rock bands, the 90s kind of could have been a tough time for them because of the grunge movement. So I always like, even though it was rough, I'd like to always hear about their opinions about what happened to their careers at that time and how they rebounded from it and what they're doing now. So I took the opportunity to talk to Johnny and Derry and featured them today. We're going to do a show about the band Honeymoon Suite. Before we do that, I also want to let you guys know that we've improved our Patreon. So Patreon is where you can go to subscribe to the podcast, help support the podcast, and get yourself some rewards like premium content. You get the podcast released two days before the rest of the world. You also get... For certain tiers, you even get stuff like stickers, mugs, t-shirts, all for being a paid Patreon subscriber. Different tiers, some are really, really affordable. It starts at $1 a month, so we really appreciate your support. If you love this show, please subscribe, patreon.com forward slash dope nostalgia. And now here's a little bit of information about Canada's great rock band from Niagara Falls, Honeymoon Suite. Wikipedia Moments. Honeymoon Suite is a Canadian pop metal band formed in 1981 in Niagara Falls, Ontario. The band's name was a nod to the fact that Niagara Falls is the unofficial honeymoon capital of the world. The band was originally formed in 81 by Johnny D, Brad Brent, and Mike Lengiel. By 83, the lineup changed with D, the only original remaining member, now on rhythm guitar and lead vocals, along with new recruits Derry Grahan on lead guitar and Dave Betts on drums, both of whom had recorded two albums as members of Toronto-based new wave group Steve Blimke and The Reason. Grahan became the band's primary songwriter and penned this song, New Girl Now, which won them an unsigned band contest put on by Toronto radio station Q107. Various keyboard players and bassists came and left during this time, but on the strength of New Girl Now, WEA Canada signed the band to the label. Ray Coburn was added as a permanent new member on keyboards as the sessions got underway for the group's debut LP. But the band still had no bass player, so bassist Brian Brackstone was recruited as a session player. Brackstone played on the entire album, bassist Gary Lalonde was added to the lineup after the album was completed, and appeared in the album's group photos and played with the band live. Throughout the 80s, they released so many more hits, featuring songs like Burning in Love, Wave Babies, Stay in the Light, and the first top 50 in the United States for Honeymoon Suite was this song, New Girl Now. They also made more hits in Canada with Bad Attitude, Feel It Again, What Does It Take, and All Along You Knew. All right, we got one of those songs were included, What Does It Take, on the soundtrack for the John Cusack film, One Crazy Summer. And the song Bad Attitude was featured in the series finale of Miami Vice. In 1986, keyboardist Ray Coburn left the band, replaced by Rob Proust from the Ontario-based Spoons. Also during 86, the band produced the track Those Were the Days for the Charlie Sheen film The Wrath. Or The Wraith? The Wraith? I think it's The Wraith. In the spring of 1987, the band performed the title track for Mel Gibson's film Lethal Weapon, which was composed by Michael Kamen. In the winter of 1987, the band started work on their third album in LA. Unfortunately, Johnny D was hit by a car at LAX airport, 
breaking his leg in several places, Andy required surgery to insert a 10-inch pin to help his leg heal properly. While Dee was recovering in the hospital, one time Doobie Brothers member Michael McDonald was brought in to help out with the recording sessions. He wrote lyrics and sang backup on Long Way Back, a forthcoming track for their next album. So in 88, that third album was finally released, Racing After Midnight. Then before the end of the 80s, they released their greatest hits, then the 90s roll around. By 91, Lalonde and Betts had left the band and were replaced by Steve Webster on bass and Jordan Anderson on drums. The band returned to the studio to craft Monsters Under the Bed with Paul Northfield producing and the team of Graham Coburn and Dee was responsible for the songwriting. Singles Say You Don't Know Me and The Road were moderately successful in Canada, but once again failed to make a dent in the US market. Well, Ray Coburn left the band again after this album. He was replaced on keyboards by Peter Nunn. And the band continued to tour in the 90s, although many lineup changes continued to occur, with only Dee and Graham remaining as the consistent members. And I have both of them on the show today talking to me. Two special interviews I'm sharing with you now, guys. This is Honeymoon Suites. We're going to start things off with my interview with Derry, Derry Graham. This is a podcast about, well, it's mainly focused on what happened in the 90s. So we talk about the 90s, but we also want to know exactly what Honeymoon Suite is up to now. Now, what are you currently working on at this time? Well, we're definitely not touring. Yeah. Um, but on the upside, we're, we're working on a new album. And we have been for about the last 18 months, kind of on and off, mm-hmm. um, bits and pieces. We're really close to getting it done as of last uh, February. Johnny, mm-hmm. we're over in England uh, doing the uh, final overdubs of vocals and guitar and that. And um, then the pandemic hit mm-hmm. uh, just when we came back. So the album is not done and we're waiting to get back there to finish. However, we have released two singles. Um, one last fall, and the new single, um, Find What You're Looking For, which came out in June. And that's doing really well. We actually charted on Canadian radio. Congratulations. That's wonderful news. First time in like 18 years or something. And we're at 23 on the Billboard chart, which is really weird to say because we haven't been on a chart in a long time because radio has changed so much um, Mm -hmm. for rock and rock bands like us. But I'm I'm ecstatic. I mean, it's it's really great to to be on the radio again, and people love the song. So that's what we've been doing since we're not touring. We're promoting that. We're um, posting stuff on our Facebook. We're trying to keep engaged with the fans with videos and whatnot, and do whatever we can to to keep out there while we sit at home during this this time. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it's, it's, it's a weird time for musicians to be trying to connect with the fans. In fact, I think in some ways, even though you can't see them in person, um, just doing all of the stuff that they could do on video and on social media has made them closer in some ways. Yeah, so. yeah, it has. It keeps you engaged, and it's a real personal thing um, mm-hmm. for, for your fans because everybody's sitting at home now for the most part or working from home and sitting in front of a computer. So we keep in touch, um, you know, with these kind of home videos and, and virtual things that we do. 
fans love that stuff and uh, gives me something to do uh, while I sit at home. But I, I tell you, I'm writing a lot of songs and wonderful guitar because the album isn't done yet. So I will continue to write songs till till it's finished so we can put the best thing out there. Are you feeling inspired to write right now with all the things going on? Yeah. Yeah. I'm always, um, inspiration comes at the oddest times. There's no rules for it. Uh, I pick up my guitar and start, start playing. And, and like always, that's where my songs come from. Just jamming things out. And I, I get my ideas like that. Uh, That's how Mm -hmm. a lot of songs start with me. So if I'm not inspired, then I'll just practice for a while. But um, yeah, what I'm doing. We're going to share um, some clips of the new stuff on the show for all of our listeners so they can get a taste of the new honeymoon suite. Um, now, I know you established your success with so many hits in the midnight or mid-80s, three great albums and the greatest hits record all before the 90s even happened. Um, where were your heads at headed into the new decade with these achievements you already had under your belt heading into the 90s? Oh, the 90s were honestly were a terrible time for mm. bands like us because of, mm. you know, grunge and mm-hmm. Nirvana and Seattle and all that. That came in um, and just killed killed the 80s and all of our types of bands. Um, but that is, that's the music business, right? It, it goes in cycles. And um, there's a lot of great music that came out of the 90s, but it made our sort of style not so relevant. Um, but we did manage to put out, I think, two records in the 90s, independent uh, CDs. We kept going regardless because uh, great music is going to, you know, stick around and keep at it. You still have your fans. They didn't go away. So we persevered through. We just didn't tour as much and we um, did other things musically and just kind of waited it out. Now you're seeing melodic rock back in a big way. And that really, that's really great for us. And that makes me very happy. Cause that's definitely like my favorite way to listen to rock and roll. Um, <laughs> so mm-hmm. did, did you feel the pressure to change your sound when grudge came into the forefront? And what were your thoughts on that at the time? No, because that's the, that's the dumbest thing a band can do is, is kind of, tailor their sound to what's on the radio right then and try and be something they're not. Mm -hmm. Um, Because by the time you put your music out, that that will be gone anyways. We have to stay true to our sound, uh, to our brand. um, Mm -hmm. And that's what our fans want. So we continued to do that. We might have been influenced a little bit. We put an album out called Lemon Tongue in the early 90s, which had some sort of I would say a little bit of grungy element to it. That's just what I was writing. I get influenced by that, but it really mm. wasn't who we are. It wasn't the the classic sound of the band. So after that, we kind of I just said, no, we've got to do what we do, and for better or for worse, just write write great songs, and they will find they will find their audience. And you, you'd become a trio at that time, hadn't you, when you were just starting the decade there? Uh, in the 90s. Yeah. Um, some of the, the, the original guys left um, for a while through that period. Johnny and I, actually, we were a duo. It was, at one point, it was down to just Johnny and I. Mm. And uh, it never broke up. We just didn't play for a long time because there wasn't any really sh- tours out there that were any good for us. 
Mm -hmm. But when we did, we had different musicians in the band, session players and guys that were just great players and really were good. Um, and we went out and toured when, when we could. But I got kind of tired of that revolving door and I really missed the original band. So I mm. contacted everybody at the end of the 90s or somewhere around there. And I put the uh, put the original band back together and we haven't looked back since. It's just so much fun. And that's that's our sound and everybody's. It's the way it should be. So that's where we're at now. And not many bands can say that they are able to keep that lineup together the way you have then and, and the longevity behind it. So kudos to you guys. That's amazing. No. Yeah, it's tough. Now, starting the decade with, I believe, Monsters Under the Bed is the, the album that was primarily the one we know of from that decade. Mm. What was this collection of songs expressing for you? Monsters was a different type of record. Um, we were down, Dave and Gary had left at that point, and it was me, Johnny, and Ray Colburn on keyboards. Mm. And it was our last uh, album that we did on Warner. Um, we kind of took a little different, more of a serious direction, I would say, with mm. that record. We really worked hard on it. The songs, there's some different subject matter on there. And me and Johnny wrote, and Ray wrote the whole record. Um, and it is a classic album. It really is a good album, but it's not like the big prize or the first album. And that's fine for a band to, to change gears like that. I don't want to keep putting out the same album. No. It didn't do as well as the other three records, but that was just a part of the, the industry at the time. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a great record sonically and, and that, but the songs were a little bit different. And there's some of our fans just love that record. It's different, mm -hmm. but it's part of our whole catalog and I'm quite proud of it. Um, yeah, it was a great, great album. Do you still play a lot of the songs from that album to this day, even though we haven't had a show, obviously, with COVID in a while, but in your last shows, do you play off, many from them? Off of Monsters? Yeah. We were doing the um, Say You Don't Know Me was the single off that album, one of the singles, and we, play, we played that in our show forever. It's a powerful track. It's the first track on the album. Yes, we still mm. do that song uh, live. Um, and there's a couple of others that we played for a while, but... There's so many songs now. I think we have seven or eight albums that we can't do everything. So we have to pick and yeah. choose songs, especially the, the, the big singles from the first three albums are just um, a given. We yeah. those, and I love to do that. And then up beyond that, we, we select songs from later records and put them in. Because we only have 90 minutes. I'd like to play more, but...
Do you like doing some of the deep cuts live? And the fans probably, the hardcore fans probably appreciate that. I do, I do, but they come to hear the hits, but mm -hmm. you have to balance it out with some deep cuts, absolutely. And we'll change the show up uh, from time to time to pull something out from a B-side or a, you know the other side of the record. And it's really refreshing to, to do that uh, on stage. It challenges you and, and people like it. We'll do that. What are some of your favorite tracks from that album? From Monsters? From Monsters, yeah. Your uh, personal personal favorites. Bring on the light. Yeah. Bring on the light was was a great song, and that was written. I think around that time there was this whole thing going on in Oka, Quebec, with the uh, with the native uh, Canadians mm -hmm. uh, facing off with the government over over some land rights or something. There was a big thing going on, and um, that kind of influenced that me and, and the writing of, of that. Um, it's a killer track. Here we are at the crossroad in deadlock on the hill. Convictions feed the fire, judging faith by the blood you spill. No. wanted is a very deep cut uh, but a very cool cut um yeah let me, let me think what else is on that album stuff it's now you've got me on the spot but i know i'm really digging into the people's uh past but i'd like to i like to know what uh not the standard cookie cutter kind of questions i'd like to know some of the deeper stuff about uh your experiences during that time and, and what you're doing now. So that's why I ask. Yeah, well, the thing about Monsters, it was a really great experience. We recorded it. If you want to know more about it, it was done at Morin Heights in Quebec. Yes. Yes, which is super legendary, famous studio. I mean, Rush did uh, moving pictures there mm -hmm. and some, several other records. Some huge albums were done there. I mean, Mutt Lang worked there and... Um, mm. It's, it's unbelievable, the history of that place. We were in there probably a few years before it, it closed. It's gone now, but it was mm -hmm. still a functioning studio. And um, we, Paul Northfield was producing. And mm -hmm. you, kind of, you live there. It's right, right on a lake. And you kind of live at the place. And you get up, and you're in the studio all night. Then you go back, and you sleep, and you get up. It was a, such a cool experience um, there. You know, I remember one day we're sitting in the lounge, and Neil Peart, comes, you know, comes riding up on his bicycle because he used to live up there and just mm. comes in. Hey, guys, you know, how are you? 
<laughs> just kind of stuff like that would happen. And it's a French country, French Canadian countryside and super cool vibe. And um, yeah, just a great place to make a record. What part of Canada are you from? Um, I grew up in St. Catharines. Yeah. Ontario, uh, next to Niagara Falls, where Johnny's from. So mm -hmm. that's where we, um, you know, the whole honeymoon suite thing, uh, what's where um, we kind of yes. um, that. And then I moved up to Toronto for many years, where I met Johnny and put the band together. And for about the last 16, 17 years, I've been in the U.S., in, uh, in Illinois. Oh, wonderful. Mm -hmm. What are your favorite things about your your country when you think about um, your Canadian upbringing? What are some of the things you'd recommend to someone who's never been to Canada? It's, you know, compared to what's going on down here in the U.S., everybody's so divided and angry. Um, mm. When I come to Canada, which normally this time of year, I'd be up there all the time, like every weekend. It's like a breath of fresh air when I step off the airplane. It's a different vibe. People are happy. They're friendly or they're not as judgmental or divided or angry about everything. They're just they're just happy Canadians. And uh, I feel good when I'm there. People are friendly and just don't, don't really worry about things uh, so much. They're just happy to live in a great, a great country that takes care of them and... Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, I, I love Canada. It's my, you know, where I'm mm. from, and I'll always love it. I don't think I'll ever leave this country. I love Canada, too. <laughs> I live in Edmonton, actually. You're in Edmonton. That's right. Yeah. I, I know Edmonton very well. As you know, we've been there a million times playing, but I also have family um, in Edmonton. Oh, great. That, that have been there for... Oh my, 30, 30 years. Um, so I know Edmonton well. I have some great deep family ties there. Yeah, no, we seem to be doing pretty good here. We've got the NHL bubble going on right now and the weather's great. So I, I love this city. <laughs> yeah, I see that. Um, they're still playing hockey. It's it's kind of it's kind of funny. Mm -hmm. I've been I've been watching that. Um, well good, you know. Oilers, hockey. Oilers were out so fast. I stopped watching right away. I know, but it, yeah, I know. Your um, yeah. your Oilers are very um. <laughs> yeah, it's been a it's been thirty years since we won the cup. So yeah, it's starting to it's starting to take its toll on the fans. I think, but well, um, you've got a big new building there now, right? Oh, it's beautiful. Oh my goodness, that is a beautiful arena. I hope you come see it one day here <laughs> yeah i will well you know hockey is you know it's it's like that it's mm -hmm. like that you had your dynasty and someday it'll come back it's a <laughs> strange game but that's true <laughs> be patient right what was one of your most memorial more i'm not talking properly today memorable performances um and what kind of favorite memories do you have from performing at places like much music for example um wow much music we mm. when we put our first record out we were so lucky to be on the crest of that wave um right place right time and all that um we our first album was a, was a great record and it really just clicked right away but Half of that equation, I really believe, is as much music and MTV starting up at that time. 
and the video age. Okay. Yeah. That had so much to do with just our skyrocketing, skyrocketing our success, you know, um, getting our music and our visuals to, to people. So we love much music. We went there many times. It was super important part equation in our, in our success. Mm -hmm. um, performances, man, you know, there's just so many. I mean, so many things happen on that first record. And um, touring Canada and being on American Bandstand in the U.S. Um, and just playing uh, our first headline tour in Canada, uh, doing nights at Kingswood Mu Music Theatre in Toronto, doing headlining mm -hmm. the sheds for two nights, and getting on American tours. All of a sudden, we, we got signed to Warner's in the States, Warner Brothers. So we went from being a six-night-a-week uh, cover bar band uh, in Northern Ontario to getting our deal and putting our record out. And six months later, we're on a tour bus and we're opening in arenas all through America. Incredible. Um, first tour was with Jethro Tull, if you can believe that. Mm -hmm. But for a bunch of young guys south of the border, it was it was so much. Yeah, it was fun. It really was a, a great time. And doing these, these hockey arenas, you know, the Spectrum in Philadelphia and the Boston Garden and all these ones I'd seen. Um, hockey in now you're playing so it's pretty cool what a feeling that would be is there a different sense of achievement when you make that success happen in america as opposed to canada absolutely i was always i mean i love canada but yeah the focus has to be uh bigger than that i mean i yeah. want i wanted the world and as much yeah. as we get outside we we're lucky because we, we we scored in the states pretty early with the mtv and the airplay so that got us down there. And I just, America is such a, a huge country. You know, there's there's great things and not so great things here, but I've always loved, in you know, being in America. I'd gone down there when I was a kid many times, you know, on vacations and stuff. It's such mm -hmm. an interesting place. There's so many different parts of America and to tour through it and, and meet the people, it's a lot of fun, quite an education. What do you think the youth of today, especially the young musicians can learn from the, from the past, from from what uh, bands like yourselves have accomplished? Uh, what can they learn? Well, the business is completely different now from when we started out in terms of bands getting a record deal and selling albums and, and record companies. Now, that's all different. But one thing hasn't changed is that you've got to have great songs. If you're putting a band together, you really got to work at your craft you got to practice. You got to get a. If you're in a band, you got to have a great singer. I will say that. If you if you're not the singer, then you should find one, because that's so important to get signed and get on the radio. And you got to write great songs, and get out of your bedroom, and go out and tour and play everywhere and anywhere you can to get your shit together. Because doing video, YouTube videos in your bedroom is great. But it's not a career, you know, you have to get out there and pay your dues. That's, yes. that's my advice. And then you'll have more longevity. That's the secret to the longevity. That's one of my questions you answered too. It's great. <laughs> um, so what hard lessons have you learned throughout your career that help shape who you are today? Well, Man, there's been ups and downs. We've had some some great highs, but some some big lows too. Mm -hmm. But I knew what I was getting into, 
and I'm into this for forever, for as long as I can do it, because I don't want to do anything else. Mm -hmm. And you have to take the good with the bad, not become jaded, and just kind of persevere. You definitely don't do it for the money. Mm -hmm. Money's a nice byproduct because it, it, you know, gives you a bit of security to keep so that you don't have to work a day job. You can just concentrate on music. But you really have to have a passion and, and a love for it because you'll get knocked down so many times. But you have to be inspired and, you know, you have to love. You definitely have to love, love music. Push through. And you have to have a thick skin, especially if you're a songwriter. Oh, yeah. Being a songwriter, especially, I can imagine that for sure. Um, I mean, I've written some songs myself, too, but I found it's, it's very therapeutic. Um, do, you, do you get that feeling when you're, when you're writing? Yeah. That you kind of like let things off your chest? Totally. It's a great way to, uh, to get things out, mm. get back at people that you don't like in a, <laughs> in a veiled kind of way and to, to kind of speak out. Um, and you know, if you've had a bad relationship, it's, it's therapeutic like that. You've got to write a lot of songs. You can't give up because that lightning in a bottle only hits once in a while and mm -hmm. you can't, you know, all the songs are not all going to be hits. You have to, it's work. It really is work. I get up every day and I work at it. But you're doing what you love, and, and a lot of people can't say that. So I'm, I'm really happy for you, Derry. That's wonderful. Um, what's some of your favorite gear to play with? What's your rig set up like for, for stage? Oh, we're going to talk equipment now. All right. Oh, yeah. We got lots of listeners who enjoy the equipment talk. <laughs> oh, got guitar noobs, do you? <laughs> that's right. Wow, that's great. Well... Um, gear wise, I'm pretty, I'm pretty simple. I don't have a massive rig or anything. I'm, I'm pretty old school because to me, well, for guitar players, the sound is in the hands, mm. you know, it's, it comes from your, your balls and your guts and your hands. Um, I play, you know, I've got a, a great old Les Paul. I got some strats and my, all my old in the 80s, I was playing a lot of Kramer guitars with the Floyd Roses. And then my, my signature tire tread uh, guitar, mm. uh, which uh, this is exciting because Godin Guitars in Canada is doing a signature Derry Grayen model. Um, oh, wonderful. Very soon. It's my first one. And it's, the, it's, you know, the black one with the yellow tire treads on it. That's kind of my thing. And they've mm -hmm. agreed to, uh, they're going to, I'm working with them right now. And they're going to put a, a Derry Graham model out, and it's going to be super, super badass when it when it comes out. People are going, to, our fans are going to love it. So that one's coming out. Amps is just Marshalls. I've always been a Marshall guy. Just two thousands or nine old nine hundred heads, dual channel heads, couple of heads, couple of cabinets, mm -hmm. turned way up because you know I don't go with this transistor crap and this low volume stuff. I mean. To get my sound, you got to move some air. You got to have some volume. That's got to make the the tubes work and the speakers pump. Um, that's just my opinion. Um, you know, pedals I don't use much other than maybe some distortion, chorus, flange, wah wah, all that, all that stuff. But mostly I'm just dry, and uh, my mm. sound, my tone is is in my hands and the way I set up the amp. Like mm. I'm a big Eddie Van Halen fan, and you listen to his early stuff and it's just, it's just straightforward 
to a crank to a Marshall and the playing comes from him, you know, mm -hmm. the tone. Yeah, exactly. The tone and the tone is everything. And just being um, who you are as a musician and the way you play in making your own signature sound is everything. Not all the other uh, effects and pedals and such. Those are just fun for toys, but you got to make your own sound. Yeah, Absolutely. you got to have your basic tone. And you give any, you know, you give me, uh, like, I've had other guitar players come up and play my rig and play my guitar, and it doesn't sound anything like me because they don't have the same hands. And I can go play another guitar player's rig, and it'll sound like me and not them. It's just the way I play that that guitar. That's that's, that's always the way it's, it's been, you know, and, mm -hmm. and guys don't rely on all these effects and racks and stuff. They're fun, you know, but for our kind of music, I'm just like straightforward, crunchy, crunchy tone. And you mentioned Eddie as one of your um, influences. Who else would you list as one of your guitar, guitar gods? Uh, well, my first one was Richie Blackmore. Mm. Deep Purple, of course. Um, that's the reason I started playing guitar and learning lead guitar. I just, he resonated with me from, from day one. Love Deep Purple and, and Santana. Mm -hmm. uh, I love I love early Alice Cooper, stuff like that when, when, when I was growing up. But then Eddie came out and kind of changed the landscape. There's guys like Steve Stevens and Joe Satriani and, uh, wow, you know, Steve Vai. There's so many different guys out there doing all different styles. Um, I can learn from all of them, and I really enjoy listening to whatever I'm in the mood for, like Joe Bonamassa for the blues stuff. It's just um, so much out there and uh, it's great. Now, just a couple more questions before we wrap this up. I wanted to know what the fans can do right now to get in touch with the band and find out what's going on with the new, new tunes. And uh, do you have any like cool um, zoom or video updates coming for them soon? Go to the Facebook. Yeah. Honeymoon Suite Facebook. I mean, that is, uh, we're, we're running that hard every day. Um, and it's, uh, there's, there's, there's constant content on there. Um, we're promoting the single on there. You can see some new videos that we've done and you can hear the song. Facebook and Instagram. That's where, that's where we're killing it right now. Beautiful. And now I'm going to, I'm going to be speaking with Johnny this afternoon as well. And so I'm going to be asking him the same question, but what is one of your favorite qualities about Johnny? You guys have been friends for now for so long. <laughs> we hate each other. <laughs> um, yeah, it's bizarre. It's been a friendship over 30, 35 years. Uh, what's my favorite thing about Johnny? <laughs> we're, we're really different people in a lot of respects, but I think that works for our relationship and for our music. Um, Johnny is just uh, very opinionated, uh, very serious about his singing, what he does, and that that's great because I wouldn't want somebody to take it lightly. He likes to to do things perfectly, and and I think that shows in his performance. Um, I, I you know I, I don't know. He's got a good you know at the at the end of the day, he's, he's got a good heart, and he's uh, he's into he's into this uh, as much as I am, and we have. Uh, we have a, a working relationship and it still continues because we both value what we have with this band that it still works and it's probably doing better now than it was 10 years ago. And we, we you know, 
we value that and our fans. So we, uh, we keep going. The band has an incredible legacy, and it's been an honor to chat with you today, Derry, about the, the past and the present. And I want to thank you for being on Dope Nostalgia. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. It's good talking uh -huh. to you. Analog Brewing, winner of three awards at the 2020 Alberta Beer Awards, is a proud sponsor of the Dope Nostalgia podcast. Analog Brewing is now offering delivery within the city of Edmonton with no delivery fee on orders over 40 bucks. Go to analogbrewing.ca shop. That's www.analogbrewing.ca forward slash shop and place your order today. When placing an order, you could also pay it forward and take part in their Nurse a Pint program and prepay for a pint for a nurse. Mention this podcast in the order comments so they know we sent you. Analog Brewing, taking beer to the next level. Have you ever wondered where some of your favorite stories came from? Think recent icons are just fads that were created in Hollywood? What if I told you that most of the pop culture icons we know and love have a long history behind them, and some of them have strange beginnings and even stranger roads that they've traveled to become what we know now. If any of this sounds interesting to you, join me as I take you through the history, lore, and the works of actual scholars to show you more about the tropes, legends, and cultural icons you love in the Armchair Scholars Guide podcast. Together, we will go over what makes these figures in our movies and books so special, reveal how old they actually are, and see how they've changed over the years. Along with every episode, there's also a ton of links and videos so that you too can find out more about the strange and unusual worlds and characters that have kept us up at night and kept us coming back for more. If you've always wanted to know more about the Joker, have a passion for Dracula, or just wanted to know who Santa really is, meet me at the Armchair Scholar's Guide podcast every second Saturday, and let curiosity be your guide. When you want a hot meal without a big deal, what are you gonna pick? Hot pocket! When a hungry bunch shows up for lunch, what are you gonna pick? Hot pocket! Hot Pockets, filled with delicious pepperoni pizza, chicken and cheddar, or ham and cheese. 
in a crispy pocket. When it's late at night and you want a tasty bite, what are you gonna pick? Hot Pocket! The hot meal in a pocket. What are you gonna pick? Hot Pocket! Try Lean Pockets, too. Now we're going to do some chatting with the lead singer of Honeymoon Suite, Johnny D. I know that area code. <laughs> Welcome to Alberta. <laughs> yeah, how you doing? Naomi, right? That's right. It's a pleasure to talk to you, Johnny. Thank you for your time today. Oh, thanks. I love that name, Naomi. Naomi Carmack. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, um, all the way from Edmonton. Where are you? You're obviously in Ontario, 905. Yeah, I'm uh, close to Buffalo, close to Fort Erie. I'm off uh, Lake Erie. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called. It's it's a little beach community. A lot of old people around here that never knew me till now. Now I've got to meet my neighbors and all that sort of stuff. And uh, yeah, it's just outside of Niagara Falls, Ontario. And that's where you're originally from, is Niagara Falls? I'm from. Yeah, I was born and raised in Niagara Falls. That's the name. You know, honeymoon suite, all that sort of stuff uh, yeah. but i moved out i moved out as a kid to toronto couldn't take toronto moved north of toronto moved up to like barry uh couldn't take that anymore so it was <laughs> like okay where do i go now it's like so i went back home for a bit got rid of everything yeah and uh bought a couple shacks here in this this beach town and i've been fixing them up like ever since when i say shacks i mean shacks <laughs> and it's like you know it's pretty pretty crazy but i'm close to the water and uh, it's a nice little town. It's getting kind of busy, but it's still good. Like the, the places that I that I own, they're side by side. Mm -hmm. So, you know, sort of like secluded, kind of. And uh, all good. How about you? Where are you in downtown Edmonton? I actually northeast Edmonton. I'm kind of, I'm about five minutes out of downtown. It's not, oh, Edmonton's okay. like takes maybe 20 minutes to half an hour to get anywhere in Edmonton. I know it. I, I I know that well. <laughs> Hennessy, yeah, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but it's still a great town. Uh, it's a, the right size for me. You know, not too big. 
Oh, it's pretty big to me. But anyways, go ahead. <laughs> uh, compared to where I live, yeah. like you do the big city. I've done the big city. I can't do the big cities anymore. They're too congested. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's the traffic. Like, it's enough for me to drive to the Toronto airport. Right? You know, and I, I've been doing that for decades now. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's... Well, when I get out of Toronto, mm-hmm. yeah, there's just this different vibe of uh, leaving the big town to my little <laughs> my little shacks. I don't blame you. It's nice that you have that kind of uh, smaller place to be with the water and everything. Do you find that, especially now with COVID and it being summer and that, that your little space gets infiltrated by a lot of people? Uh, not really. Everybody's doing this social distancing and all that sort of different thing. You can't, the, the beaches and whatnot are only for residents only. Uh, Buffalo is like really close to me, so the Americans can't get in. Um, so it's still, it's, it's quiet as, it's most quiet as it's ever been. So do I like it? Uh, I don't know. It's, I'm getting used to it. I, like I, like I say, I've not been home for this long. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, I'm just happy to still be in Canada, to be quite honest. <laughs> yeah, well, this is a good thing. I think Dan- uh, Canada's doing a great job like, across the country with this COVID thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're, I think we're all just hoping for this, uh, for this vaccine to be, you know, made or get these scientists working so mm-hmm. I can get on a plane and go finish this record. Now exactly. Get, you know, get out touring again. You know, it's... Uh, pretty nuts everybody needs their live music right now it's been it's been hard i mean they've been doing these like little block parties where people go and play in somebody's crescent and then people kind of distance around and i mean it's helpful yeah it's helpful of course it is and like we i've been asked to do this uh uh what do you call it they call it drive-ins now it's like Mm -hmm. you know where you're on stage and people are in their cars and all that sort of stuff. I don't know. I've done so many things that I have not wanted to do in the past. I mean, this would probably be just another one of them. But if, uh, if that's what I have to do, that's what I have to do. But the main thing right now is uh, our producer, is, he's, he's, in, he's in the U.K., right? Mm. And i got into like another three, four tracks to, to finish off. So when these, when these borders open up, that's going to be the first thing I do, finish this record. Because it, it's been like a year. Mm-hmm. of uh trying to get it done and then this uh you know this covid thing just put us at a standstill but you know that's mm-hmm. whining i, I don't want to whine this is like this is a uh, what's going on with the rest of the world mm-hmm. so uh dairy and i are, are, are just dealing with it right yeah. dairy i can't even get dairy here to uh you know get him in the country without the quarantine thing so we've been trying to right over the phone and he does this zoom thing and <clears throat> skype thing and that's just not for me i mean I, I should do it but i just don't do it well so it's more more of a phone thing so it's a pain mm. but you're making it work and yeah you're being positive and saying okay oh there's ways to get things done yeah right well you have to be positive in these times i mean um not to get like to get there's so many in this business there's so many creative dive bombs and negativity like why are you guys doing a new record like why are you doing this nobody's going to play it and uh just to like i'm kind of like moving ahead into the new single but yeah so like three weeks ago uh this new single we put out started charting and it's like oh wow you know congratulations go ahead 
Congratulations. I'm so happy to hear that. Right. Well, it's a uh, it's pretty wild for us. I mean, we try to stay current and uh we put out uh, records prior to this and a single which did well um uh, via social media and all that stuff, but now we've put out this song and it started to chart. It started it started at like number 29 of the top 30 and uh as of 2:30 in the morning when I woke up, checked my computer cuz I can't sleep, you know, I'm not used to all this energy so i get up turn it on now it's number 23 and number one is drake so wow. we figure like drake number one honeymoon suite like number nine i don't know it, it, it's wild stuff what's going on that's what i want to hear i want to hear that uh bands like yourselves are charting again in a perfect yeah, world exactly i'm telling all the bands <laughs> that you know i get out there and, and play with i go hey, you guys write in and they're going no 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 i go you guys gotta write put stuff out you mean yeah, like for me personally, um, I don't want to be that band that uh, gets up on stage and uh, just uh, continuously going on with their past successes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to play the new stuff because uh, you know I've seen bands do that too. And I like when I go see a band, I want to watch. I want to see them for what how I know them. So, but now that this one is charting, I can add it to the list of songs. So then instead of it being like. Two hours, it'll be two hours and another five minutes, you know, yeah, whatever. I'm just kidding there. I'm always happy to hear the new stuff. And one thing that I that actually kind of ir- irritates I'm kinda, me. I'm kind of losing you, Naomi. Oh, you got sorry. Me, I think you got me. Out. There you are. There <laughs> so you sorry. One thing, one thing that kind of irritates me at uh, live shows is uh, when people take the opportunity to use the washroom <laughs> during the song, the new song. It's like. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Well. What are you going to do? They yeah. just don't want to hear it. But this is charting. Maybe they'll it'll become part of their, you know, geez, I heard that song on the radio kind of thing, which makes it cool, and hopefully mm-hmm. they'll stay. There's so many beautiful songs that get missed because uh, people didn't hear, didn't have it fed to them by the radio over and over until it became a staple in their own catalog. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, some songs are missed that way, but the idea is... Um, the idea is to put that new song out and the listener goes, what was that? You know, and mm-hmm. that, and then they, they look for it and that makes it like huge. That's wonderful. Now, obviously you've got the new song out, so we're going to play some clips of the new stuff on the show so that people can get a taste for it and find where, find out where they can find your music. Um, and of course this show is focused on the nineties as well, since it's called dope nostalgia. And we, we, we visit the nineties specifically. I was wondering when I seen it, dope nostalgia. Okay, <laughs> no, that's, that's great. You know, I got to tell you about the '90s, but go ahead. Yes, that's exactly what I was hoping for. Um, I wanted to visit your band at the turn of the decade too, because you had already established so much success throughout the '80s, um, and you're so had so many hits by that time. Where were your heads at with these achievements when you were going into a new decade? Uh, to keep going and to keep writing music and to well when the when the 90s came into play um uh warner brothers had the option to keep honeymoon suite uh, or not i mean this is after 10 years of like five albums including the singles record all that sort of stuff but they opted not to and um that was because there was this new music coming out um these uh, you listen to the radio and it's like uh, these songs and singers who were singing it just sounded mean and angry and it was like 
okay, I can't sing like that. Anyways, at that point, Honeymoon Suite got, like, um, we continued on playing. We, we've always had a great fan base, all that sort of stuff. Um, but the 90s were really, really tough for us. Um, you know, the crowds crowds were still there, much lighter than, than they were, but we maintained. We persevered right through it. And now, after the 90s, our stuff, you know, our back, we're back to melodic rock. But, unfortunately, um, radio stations, they call themselves like classic rock radio stations, so we got put into that category, right? So, that, like I was telling you, that we, we put out records, but they were never played. Um, because they don't play new, new music, so and now here we are. They're starting to play our new stuff. So uh, the changes are great. And mm-hmm. These are just uh, natural things that happen. And uh, like bands like us, we just got to make it through. And other bands do the same as we're doing. They just continue on. Like we won't go away. <laughs> good. <laughs> I think it's good and it's healthy. Then there should be a desire again for melodic rock. It's really, really uh, been been lost for a while uh, well it's come back and I, I think it's basically our fan base which the demographic demographics have, have changed so like we got like people my age in the crowd but then they got their kids so and they're in the front row and some of them are like 8 12 years old and it's like I, I we do festivals and I've been saying um, geez, sometimes I got to stop and say, hey, "Look, how old are you?" And it's like to this kid, I give him the microphone, which definitely I won't be able to do nowadays. But mm-hmm. you know, and they tell me they're like they're eight, ten years old, so it's really cool. Oh, I love that! Absolutely great. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so we were doing the uh, releasing the album "Monsters Under the Bed" in the very early yeah. '90s. What That's did this right. collection of songs mean for you at that time? Um, well, we were writing in Quebec, Montreal. What did they mean to me? It's they all mean something, but to get back into like each track, um, uh, we did a few changes in the lineup, which we should have never done, um, but it worked out. It was just uh, timing. Um, uh, the album was, there were some great tracks on it, um, but it, it didn't do much for us, um, which is, and like I say, in those times, uh, nobody really cared much about Honeymoon Suite except for our fan base. So, like, in, like I say, we made it through. Mm. What was going through, on through my head? It's the same thing that I always does. It's just trying to make the best songs I possibly can and, and try to stay true to my vocal. Excellent. There were so many bands at that time who were making quality records, um, really high-quality records, but grunge just wiped them out. Like, they weren't able to, to have that... Uh, commercial success off those records so well, you just yeah you just said what i was trying to say in a nutshell okay great yeah and i was asking Derry the same question if you felt the pressure by anybody the record label or anyone else to change your sound during that time um yeah but i started this band it's not going to change i mean Good. it's no we're not going to start bringing in you know no honeymoon suite has always been true to yourself and i think that's a lot to do with me i mean um the, i sing the way i sing that's not that's not going to change i'm not going to change Derry plays his guitar the way he plays it um and it just comes back to the 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 songs i know that at one point somebody was asking me to get back out there and change the name of the band and it's like no that's not going to happen mm-hmm. I, I i started this band well before like i met Derry. i did all the legwork 
And uh, for them to say that to me, I was like, no, this is the way it goes. It's staying honeymoon suite, even though I don't like uh, the name, the, the actual name, it being called honeymoon suite, like sounds bar mitzvah. And it's taken a lot of years for people to to get it. We're a rock and roll band. Hmm. What were you? So how is? So I'm sorry. How is Derry? This is probably the I haven't spoken <laughs> to him today. I haven't spoken to him today. We speak like three times a day, but I've been caught up in, in tell, trying to tell everybody about this new record. So how's he doing? Derry was lovely. Um, he he yeah, seems great. healthy, looks good. Um, it was a pleasure to chat with him. We, oh, we had great. a nice talk there. It was great. Great. Good. Good to hear. And so what were some of your favorite tracks from that album, Monsters Under the um, Bed? What was the title track? Uh, you say you don't know me. I wrote oh, yeah. that freaking song. Okay, so that was uh, yeah, that was kind of like a mean song. Uh, one of my favorite tracks, definitely on that. Um, oh, geez, you got me stumped here. There's another <laughs> track. Uh, all I wanted, all I wanted was a little bit of love, baby. Mm. Yeah, I love that track. Say you don't know me. I, I pretty much wrote most of the verses. That was about um, yeah. Look at where I've been, and it's like now you say you don't know me. And uh, we have opened up um, when we're doing live shows. We've opened up with that track for quite some some time. People don't really know it, but uh, I think it's a rocker. It's fantastic. I really, really dig the pre-chorus melody on that tune. Um, say it every step of the way, you had me believing in you. Now you're turning away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, so you produced the album in so, Quebec um, with Paul uh, Northfield. What drove you to work with this gentleman in particular? Um, okay, well, we were at a. Paul hated us for this. We had like, uh, we actually auditioned different producers. I mean, we've worked with Bruce Fairburn, Ted Templeman. Mm -hmm. You know, these are like, these are big dudes. Yeah. And when Paul, when Paul came out, like we drilled this guy. You know, and it's like. I, he's going, I don't know if I like this too much. Just like, have you, do you know what I've done, guys? Anyways, uh, he's a great guy. He's an Englishman. You know, so um, he had some great ideas, and uh, it, it worked out. You're currently, like, before COVID struck, weren't you recording in, in England? You know it well. Um, yeah, there was a, I don't know, I think it was up that shows were canceling, and um, I had these tracks to do vocally. And I'm going, Derry, look, I, I can't sit here. I'm not going to be able to sit here for, like, the next three weeks to see if this COVID thing is going to go blow by. I'll just uh, I'll use my own money. I'll go see Mike Crumpus. And uh, that's what I did. And uh, that was just before March. Hmm. And uh, that's, where I, uh, that's where I sang uh, Find What You're Looking For, another song called Broken. And uh, Derry actually wanted, thought I was going to sing five tracks. I lost my, I didn't lose my voice, but it started cracking up on the fourth day. Mm. So I just came back with like three tracks, but I got back into Canada uh, in March, just as this COVID thing went down. And uh, yeah, luckily enough, Crumpus, uh, producer dude, you know, wanted to uh, release the track and now look what it's done. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's wonderful that you were able to accomplish that right before this all struck. Uh, yeah, uh, and get back into the country. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, it's uh, it was cool to do. It was worth it. Definitely worth it. Don't like the flight. It, this place is outside of Birmingham, and I always fly like Air Canada. So, 
you know, doing the border crossings, all that sort of stuff. Can't get direct there. And it's like seven, eight hours, right? So I mm. find myself in Switzerland, you know, waiting for another flight. I don't know, Ireland, all these different places just to get to this studio. But it's a pain, but mm. it's all it's all worth it. It's all been good. How did you feel about the changes that took place in the music industry throughout that decade? Uh, in the music industry? From yeah. Like like the recording of like the, the the actual business the business side and also how basically that was the introduction of file sharing during that time too uh the introduction of what i'm sorry naomi sorry file sharing like napster and just the way yeah. people consume music yeah. became a new animal yeah you know what exactly uh but i never get myself involved in that sort of stuff i never let it get me down mm. and uh, like i was saying earlier the 90s were, we were pushed away at the, on the wayside uh, in the industry. Um, but I got to tell you this, though. Derry uh, was living in Toronto, and then he moved to Illinois, at which point, like I'm saying, okay, my, my main guy has moved away. What do I do? So I started writing on my own. And um, in that time, um, I had a demo, and I was working with another writer, and uh, just because it, I need to keep going. And um, yeah, I had a demo. We sent it out. And the next thing you know, um, here I am signing up with a distri distribution deal with Universal. Mm -hmm. Anyways, uh, crazy stuff. Crazy stuff happens, but you you just have to persevere and stay, like I was saying, uh, persevere and, and, and stay positive. And that's working out for me. And uh, there's always going to be stuff that industry-wise that stands in your way. And uh, I just am not going to let it. Not going to let it get me down. Napster, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I let it go. I just, I let it go. I love that attitude. That's great to have. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Well, I got nothing else. I mean, this ever since I started this thing, it's all been. There's always somebody there to say, "No, this ain't going to work. No, this ain't going to work. Nobody's going to play your stuff," and all mm. this different stuff. And I say, you know, geez, I'm, if I go to the radio station, which I do just for uh, just to advertise the show that we're in town. I go. We got something new. If you don't want me there, you're gonna play it. At least spin, at least spin like 50 seconds of it. Like do that for me, you know. Mm -hmm. And they do. They they we we get this respect now. That's uh that's totally huge. Good, good. I'm glad that yeah. they're still they're still playing you. And no matter what, you still have to do it for you because you love it. In the end of the day. Yeah, and there's uh I love it because you know. Geez, at this point right now, it's like, geez, Johnny, you know, I say to myself, if this doesn't work out, like, what would I be doing? Like, what am I going to go get a job? Not, this is a job, but I'm just saying, well, <laughs> I'm going to go to work somewhere. It's like, oh, it's crazy. Um, but, hey, everything's falling into place just fine. When you guys were up and coming and getting getting established and starting to get the hits rolling out and whatnot, did you do? Uh, were you bad? Were you controversial? Did you do any any like? No, no, <laughs> no, none of that sort of stuff. Not political by any means. Like second record record had bad attitude on it, but um, and actually, the, oh, I got to tell you this. Now that you back to monsters under the bed, mm -hmm. keyboard player Ray Coburn goes we should we should write you know to try to get with what's going on and there's a swear word in it mm. um i played one of the shows and we did this song from monsters and then i got the crowd to sing the swear word and uh we went on cp or canadian whatever press mm. 
and uh, I was not allowed to play that city again. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. Wow. uh, Yeah, Yeah, it's crazy. So that kind of stuff, you know, it's like it was wrong. I shouldn't shouldn't have done it. The song was what it was for that time, but Mm. I'm not going to do that sort of stuff. And it's like, um, like I say, I got on Canadian press, and it's like I get home, you know, visiting at that point. I wasn't living in Niagara Falls, just to visit my mom and whatnot, my dad. And uh, he goes, Johnny, I said, we hear that you're on stage swearing at people. And I go, oh, ma. But you know what? I got rid of that song in the, in the set. It was just wrong. Mm. Oh. And how, my, how things have changed, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Now, how does a band that has been together as long as Honeymoon Suite not get tired of each other? Uh, that's a great question. Um, there is this uh, there's this certain respect that we have for each other, and it's maintained through all the years. Mm-hmm. And it's not only and it really shows on stage. Um, and you got to think about it when we're touring. Like we're in the same hotel. Of course, we have separate rooms. And there, you know, sometimes you go to the front desk and. Uh, They'll say, well, do you want to be on the same floor together? I goes, no, 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 we don't want to be on the same floor, you know. And it's like we give each other our space. Like sometimes I'll walk into a, I'll walk into a restaurant or wherever, and there Dave Betts will be, you know, at a table. I'll make sure, you know, I don't bother him, you know. And it's just that uh, respect that we have for each other, you know, uh, musically and and friend wise, and uh, that's maintained over the years. Sure, we've had our little, you know, discussions, and but they're never about music. We're always on the same page when it comes to that. This mm. is always something political. Like that's our drummer. He's so uh, he's he's so into politics, and it's like if you don't know what you're talking about politics, you don't talk to Dave Bet. So we know, <laughs> you know, we, we we keep our distance. Smart. That's smart. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what are your, some of your favorite things about Canadian culture and the country itself? What types of things um, inspire okay, you about first, Canada? Okay. Well, first of all, it's clean. Yeah. I've been to a lot of places in a lot of places in the world that are not. We have a great, clean country. And I think the attitude of the country is great. People are great. I mean, there's little pockets where things can get a little bit nasty but that happens everywhere in general um canada has been like great to our band we've been great to canada i mean i'll be in japan one of the first questions is um you know where do you come up with this in the honeymoon suite thing you know doing it in their japanese accent or whatever and then i'll say well niagara falls ontario canada you know Hmm. and uh so i've always uh said great things about this country i love it um the West Coast, I love. Mm. Um, East Coast, I love. Uh, it's just we've been uh, we've been treated really well since the very beginning. I mean, when we first started, we did a lot of touring in the U.S. And then uh, once that you know, it takes it takes a little while <laughs> to cover the U.S. But mm-hmm. at, at the end of the tours, we'd come back into Canada and we'd be like, oh wow, right. And then uh, when the rest of the world didn't really want to. Uh, you know, to be really, uh, like, be a part of Honeymoon Suite, Canada was there for us. So, mm. you know, kudos to this country. I love it. You've been blessed with the opportunity to see the world and as well, but also just to see all of this country. And it's a hard country oh, to tour. 
because it's oh, yeah. massive. It's massive. There's a lot of area to cover. But luckily for us, and I don't want to be egotistical, I spent many years on a bus, and I don't like tour buses. I mean, they're to me, they're unfriendly. Um, there's just two. You got six, seven people, or even sometimes more on a bus. You got air conditioning wars. Like then I got to sing, right? And air conditioning kills me. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of lose. I'm kind of losing my train of thought here as to where I was going. Uh, yeah, the distance. Uh, yeah, of doing shows. But luckily now it's not a bus thing, and uh, like we fly in, we fly out. I fly in to the day prior. Mm-hmm. Right, and uh, we'll do like a three, four day run, or three, four day shows. Sometimes maybe even two. Then I'll fly back home and then uh, do it the week after, and it's just continuous. Way better. Yeah, I believe yeah. buses break bands up. <laughs> <laughs> good for you. Uh, well, good for you. And the, just the sounds of them, they're like whatever. I mean, I've, I've been on some great buses, but. Hey, sometimes that's the only way to travel. We just uh, did that, uh, uh, the Foreigner Tour, right? So mm. that that was like 15, 20 days. I don't know. It was continue- it had to be on a bus. Mm. But it was cool because uh, they were good to me. Uh, the band was good to me. Um, just knowing that I had to sing all this sort of stuff. And uh, we'd get into our hotel. You know, I'd get off the bus at like 8 o'clock in the morning. And, I, you know, I'd be in a, in a room. Uh, just to be private so I can clear my head before the next show. What have you done to take care of your voice over the years, especially being on when you've been on the road? Uh, was well, yeah, that's this, this voice thing is very delicate, uh, fickle. Mm-hmm. Um, n- not to get on stage and not blow it out because you know you're going to play the night after. But with this mask thing that's going on that mm-hmm. we have to do now it's the law mm-hmm. i've been doing that i've been doing that for decades mm-hmm. i wear this this little thing that goes around my uh that goes around my neck and then when i'm on a plane or something like that um i'll lift it up like over my nose just because of the air conditioning mm-hmm. and um the and the band has been really good to me too it's like if they if somebody's coughing beside me like dave or gary will go They'll know that I'm going to get freaked out. They'll, we'll we'll uh, switch places. So maintain a lot of vitamin C. Um, sleep is number one. Mm. Um, you know, and now with air conditioning kills me though. Smoke on the stage, like mm. the actual, that's uh, that's a killer. I don't mind it for to have it like in the beginning, just so the you know these light guys spend a lot of time trying to get the lights and all that sort of stuff right. Mm-hmm. So I'll let the smoke go just so they can see all the beams and the work they've done. Mm-hmm. But then it's got to stop. I can't breathe that stuff. I don't know what the hell it is. And, uh, you know. You're not alone. So, that stuff hurts a lot, like a lot of singers. <laughs> oh, you know this, eh? Well, yeah. You want, I got to Steve Perry a journey. I got to tell you this. Check this out. I don't, I, I don't know if I, I'll ever get to this point in my career. But we're doing a show with Journey in um, in Dallas, somewhere in Texas, Houston. I, I can't remember. So we're you know us we're waiting to do our sound check. Uh, Steve goes and gets up on stage. He sounded amazing to me, like he always does, right? Mm-hmm. And then he he said in the microphone, I, he goes, I got this crack in my voice. And uh, so he stopped. He canceled the show. And like we're, you're talking thousands and thousands of people. And it's like, oh, geez, if I could do that every time, like I cracked out, you know. Yeah. I mean, and then, and then he comes, 
after the show, he comes uh, comes into our change uh, change room, screaming and yelling. Not screaming and yelling, just excited. He goes, "Who wrote that song? That song, New Girl." Now it was like so funny. What a great guy! Mm. I just remember that story now. It's cool. Well, legend. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Who in the business have you met that taught you the most or you were most excited to meet? In the business? Mm -hmm. What do you mean the business? Like record company yeah. people? Well, no, no. I mean, just like other musicians, basically. Oh, geez. Well, uh, that's kind of a tough question to answer. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Well, well, and I'll tell you why. There's a few idols that I've listened to as a kid and, um, uh, just to learn their techniques vocally and all that sort of and I met one and I'm not going to mention the name mm -hmm. but I met him and uh, I was I was with my girlfriend at the time and uh, I'm trying to talk to this guy saying we were label mates right we're on the same label and I'm trying to talk to this guy but um, and just say just give me like 30 seconds you know and I just try to say whatever to him to be nice like give me some time he's I'm talking to him and he's looking at my girlfriend and it's like, you know, it just made me feel like really bad. And it like, um, so I made it a kind of a point not to meet my, the people who I've grown up with vocally and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you this one guy, because of that story, uh, one guy, Lou Graham, um, I've tried to, you know, capture his, you're not, I'm not never going to sing like Lou, but you know, as a kid listening to his voice was so cool. So now, uh, years and years later, here we are, and I'm singing, you know, opening up for Lou Graham, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so the bus pulls up uh, to pick us up to go to the show. I get on the bus, and there's Lou standing, uh, sitting right behind me. And as I was nervous as freaking hell, and it's like I wanted to turn around and say, "Hey, Lou," you know, but I couldn't. Weird oh. stuff. Yeah. Wow. I understand yeah. that feeling, though. Like, you don't want to be let down. Yeah, well, sometimes you just do, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just, it just kind of wrecks it, and you know, just kind of wrecks it. So I kind of try to, try to stay away from that. If, 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 a, if somebody like a big artist came up to me and said, hey, Johnny, you know, that would be uh, – and actually, i got another story after this. I know I'm babbling on, but this oh. will probably be the last one. It's great. Um, uh, somebody comes up to me and says, you know, starts yakking at me, and you know I'm going to be the nicest guy I possibly can. So it wasn't a month or two ago that uh, I pick up the phone, and uh, the, the guy goes, it's, 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 he goes, Johnny, it's Mike. I go, Mike? Okay, Mike who? He goes, Mike Reno. I go, Mike? It's like, wow, I've seen, like, we've done so many shows together, and uh, here he is on his own time picking up the phone, just calling me to go, hey, how you doing? And uh, I really like what you guys are doing. And it was like so cool. I had a smile on my face for days. And it was like, it was excellent. I really respect his singing. I really res respect him as a person. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. It's, it's nice that people keep in touch and check in with each other, you know? Yeah, well, this is a first for me. Like, we've done so many shows together. Yeah, and sort of like in passing, hello, this and that. Hey, you know, we're both like... We're both getting ready for the show, um, but yeah, for him to give me a call like that, I thought it was uh, yeah, it was it was really really human. It was like great. If you could choose a newer artist 
to cover one of your songs, who would you choose and which song? Oh, geez, Naomi, you're <laughs> killing me. Um, who would I choose to sing one of my new, uh, sing one of the tracks? I really don't know. Um, I really don't know. That that is so tough. Uh, I'd really have to think about it, and I don't want to yeah. give an answer that that's stupid. But it would like there on YouTube. There's a bunch of cover bands singing singing our stuff, and uh, like they're not really known or whatever, but they, they sound like really good. Look at the new singer for Journey, right? Mm. I don't know if it arises, and maybe it will one day. You know, I'll be glad to you know say, hey, go ahead. Absolutely. I got to thank our, our friends of the show, Kendra, for that question, because that one stumps people. But it's Oh, a, yeah. Well, can, can you imagine if, like, Lou Graham came up to me and goes, Johnny, I want to cover this song? And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, yeah, it's a stumper. <laughs> <laughs> and you stump me. Okay. Um, no what's more stumpers. <laughs> These are weird questions, I know. What's a clothing item or toy something of that nature makes you nostalgic for the 90s i've gotten rid of them some of the stuff that i've had to wear back not had to wear but we've had like people say hey wear this and wear that um i don't keep anything i mean uh went to, got to a point where when we first started they were, yeah they were, we had like wardrobe cases and all that sort of stuff and it's like and I look at some of the stuff that I was wearing, and then I go, oh, my God. It's like, why the hell did you wear that? So I get rid of it. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I did. It's like the headbands, all that sort of junk. No, I, I had to move on. Mm. Uh, yeah, no, those things can stay where they were in, back in the time. <laughs> exactly. Um, did you get involved using the internet when it was a new thing in the in the 90s? Like, were you into uh, it right away, or did it take a while? Uh, it took a while, so I'm so old school. I um, I started up doing the Facebook thing, and uh, Facebook came, like, was uh, whatever. That's internet. Not really, but I, I did. And then, uh, you know what? Um, uh, once it got into the point where people got to know me, like, they could say anything they wanted to say, so I pretty much got rid of it. I am so not computer-wise savvy at all. Mm -hmm. um, that's probably one of the reasons why I don't do Zoom. I mean, I have it on my computer, mm -hmm. right? I have everything that I possibly need. I like the fact that the Google thing now, I like I watch a lot of artists. I've been watching like David Gilmore and, and Supertramp and all these different live things mm. um, and movies and new songs and you know, but uh, no, I never got into the internet quick, and you know, I'm still not. Yeah, you know, that, that, that's for Derry. He can take care of that. And <laughs> if it wasn't for him, like if if it wasn't for him doing the, the 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 Skype and the Zooms thing, then I would have to be doing it. And geez, you know, like I've been on the phone like for the last three four weeks, you know, telling everybody that we got a new record. And uh, Good. so it's a lot of work, and I don't know how you do it. I mean. Are you doing a, a, these things like every day? Um, I usually set aside time to do a day or two a week where I have some chats with some folks um, for the show. And I just love it. I love hearing their stories. I find right. it inspiring. Okay. okay. Well, that's two days a week, Naomi. Okay. Yeah. Two, three days possibly. Yeah. I'm doing this like tomorrow, for example. I start live on the air at 8.55. Wow. And I don't, I don't finish 
till in the afternoon. And like some, like I said, I don't sleep sometimes. And it's like this is not new to me, but this whole thing is like is uh, it's, it's totally wild, just the way it goes. But I, I'm proud of you. you. If you can do two days or um, you know a week, that's great. But we can't. We need to let everybody know we got a new new track out there that's doing well. So I'm on the phone telling everybody, speaking to you. You know great and i'm glad i mean i've had a blast yeah. talking to you today i was going to ask well, you a couple more things here um i asked Derry this question as well about about you and i wanted to know what is your favorite quality about Derry? um what is my favorite quality well he's down to the point he's freaking honest uh, he's a great business person um uh there's there's a lot of different things uh the list could go on, but it's got goes back to that respect thing. Quality. Um, he's just a good person. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, I was very inspired to talk to both of you today. I learned a lot about the band and what's coming up. I'm excited to hear the new stuff, and uh, we want to share it with everybody on the show as well. So, well, well thanks, Naomi. Yeah. Um, what would you say to wrap things up to bring back melodic rock? How like to, how do we to do that? Bring it back. Yeah. Uh, you just well, you don't think of you. Uh, we're a melodic rock band, okay? So we don't think about it. This is the way we write. I mean, other artists out there can't go. Hey, we're going to sing a melodic, um, melodic. You know, if you know, try to be memorable, of course. But you can't. You can't. Uh, that's not something that you you plan. You, Melodic rock is is what it is. Mm -hmm. If other artists are, are singing like you know, like more stuff like Nirvana, then stick to it because who knows? Maybe that'll all come back. So I mean, I don't know. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but just, we can only stick to our guns at this point. This is what we do. Um, Honeymoon Suite has really not changed since the very beginning. Of course, you know, um, technically possibly, but you know, it's, it's pretty much the same kind of music. And uh, I just would say that to our other artists, too. Stay planted. That's a wonderful advice. Well, thank you so much, Johnny. It was a pleasure chatting you. with you today. And you have yourself, uh, you have yourself, I don't know what time, oh, you're ahead or behind. I know I can't even remember. I'm behind. It's one forty-one. Right. Uh, yeah, that's two hours. Okay, yeah, well, cool. Well, have yourself a good day. Great you, afternoon. And, you too. Uh, say hi to Edmonton for me, okay? Will do. And I'll tag you guys when this episode comes out, so it'll be up on all of our social media. Okay, and, great. And hopefully next time touring starts again, we'll, I'll come see you. Oh, please do, okay? I'll, I'll remember the name. Okay, cool. All right, take care. Take care of yourself. Bye. Bye. Our time, our place, our dream, and it's a real 
you so much, Johnny and Derry, for being on the show. Honeymoon Suite, true legends, a blast talking to them. Thanks for being on our show. You can check them out at honeymoonsuiteband.com to find out what's in their future. And of course, the two new singles that came out this year, Tell Me What You Want at the end of 2019. And the one that was out in June this year is called Find What You're Looking For. On the next episode, I have a special guest who wasn't even born yet in the 90s. In fact, he has a very special connection to music history because his grandfather is one of the Temptations. And he is smart. He's out doing his own musical thing now. He wants everybody to know about him. Trace Austin is going to be on the show next week telling us all about his music and all the cool lessons he learned from having such elite musical royalty around him growing up. So Trace Austin next week as well. We'll be playing more of that show, that game show I love so much that this is fucking stupid game with our music trivia friends. So we'll see you next week. I hope you enjoy. Social media, yeah, we've got it. Send us an email, dopenostalgiapodcast at gmail.com. Twitter, Nostalgia Dope. Or on Insta, dope underscore nostalgia. This podcast is licensed by SoCan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work.